How's everybody doing today? My name is Steven Rosenberg, and welcome to the Eco Capitalist. I have Dave Dixon here. Dave, how are you doing today? I am doing great, Steve. How are you doing? Doing excellent. Why don't you tell the world a little bit about what it is that you do? Great. Uh, sure. So my name is Dave Dixon. I'm the business development manager at Native. We're an Austin-based company. We do net zero energy home building, and we do commercial and residential solar installations throughout Texas. Okay. So when you say you do solar installations throughout Texas, I mean, can you give people a little bit about the history of solar here in Texas or in Austin? Sure. So, um, you know, there's been solar has been around for, you know, since the 1950s as far as when uh, we first started inventing solar cells. Um, but really commercially available solar for, for homes and businesses um, has been around probably since the, you know, since the 80s, 70s, 80s. Uh, however, really until we saw prices start to come down appreciably, it was really hard to um, get adoption. It was just way too expensive for your average homeowner. So um, we kind of saw the, the solar market really kick off uh, in Texas, uh, I think starting in Austin in 2004. So 2004. That's when Austin Energy started a rebate program, which really, um, you know, changed the game as far as the economics of solar for your average homeowner. Okay. Meaning they could then have access to get actual funding to install solar. Right. So before that, you know, if you look in, you know, a lot of our customers evaluate solar as an investment. Um, so you look at it, well, you know, if I, I mean, a lot of the early adopters, first of all, are a lot of folks that were really not looking for a return on investment. They were doing it for environmental reasons. Mm -hmm. So very expensive. Um, and as a, um, as a, you know, kind of a, a, a data point, you know, it would, it would be potentially over, if you were looking at it as an investment, it might be 40 plus years before okay. you see a return on that investment. Um, with that rebate program, uh, we started to see uh, the, um, the, the return on investment be like less than 20 years. Oh, okay. And then we had a tax credit came into play, I think in 2005, and all of a sudden you start seeing return on investments in the you know, sub 15, 12, 11 years. And all of a sudden now, you've got something viable for a lot of folks that are interested in solar for more than just the environmental reasons, which of course are very strong. Right. I mean, that's how, I mean, 11 years is not very long at all. No. That's, I mean, more that that's sooner than most houses, you know, to get a mortgage on a house, right? Yeah, well, I mean, from a payback period, we even look at, it's funny, we look at investments, if you make investments in, uh, you know, stock market or bonds. I mean, right now, investing in a solar system is a much more stable, predictable, and, and better return on your investment than any of those other Historical, historically, than any of the other markets. Why is that? Well, is that um, a general answer. Yeah, I think um, you know. Again, we're because of the price has come down so far. Mm -hmm. We know the cost of electricity, which is what you're you're basically hedging against. So right. anytime you're offsetting electrical costs, and if you you know assume that your electrical costs, your energy costs, are going to be stable or increasing. Right. In the future. Exactly. Um, it's not like the stock market where you can have dips and, mm -hmm. you know, well, one year you might be down 40%, up 20%. You're not going to have that. Electricity bill is your electricity bill. You always yeah. know pretty much what it's going to be every year, and you're offsetting against that bill. Yeah, I would say the most that it raises and falls is like winter or summer. 
Right. Yeah. So you'll have monthly, you'll have seasonal. Right. You'll have seasonal uh, adjustments to it, but but that's still on a year by year basis. Yeah. Yeah. You're you know it's pretty predictable as far as what you're going to offset. Okay. So I mean it's it's very uh, entertaining now for people to get solar panels in their housing in Texas mm-hmm. throughout the state, correct? Because of these. Throughout the state, so I, I mentioned earlier that Austin was kind of the early um, kind of catalyst. Uh, Austin Energy was an earlier catalyst for getting solar started. Uh, a lot of the first businesses in Texas kind of grew up in the Austin area. Okay. Um, we're starting to see, again, a lot of it's driven by economics. And when you have incentive programs, it changes the economic picture. So uh, the markets that really got started quickly were the markets where there was some incentive uh, that would help you know change the economic picture. So Austin was being the first. Uh, we saw um, Encore, uh, which is the Dallas Fort Worth, well, the Dallas Fort Worth mm-hmm. that whole area. They had a rebate program, uh, which kicked in. I can't remember what year it was. Maybe two thousand and eight. Um, could be wrong there, but somewhere it's in okay. that ballpark. Um, and then CPS Energy down in San Antonio uh, had a program that got started. I think a couple years after that. So. Kind of the big metropolitan markets really metropolitan markets really got started um, several years ago. Um, the exception being Houston, which really never um, adopted any kind of policy. Really, so, I mean, there's still solar installed in the Houston area, but uh, relatively speaking, you look at the capacity; it's much lower than San Antonio or Austin, and much less business out there supporting those markets. Why is that? Because it's more of an oil-driven. I mean, I don't know, and. I'm just kind of curious. Well, it's interesting because in Texas, the the incentive programs that exist were either driven by municipally owned utility companies, which mm-hmm. had a which were integrated companies, city owned. So you've got you know a lot of these benefits of solar that aggregate to the city level, okay. clean air, jobs. Right. Where all of a sudden the city is like, you know, we want to support this because we're getting a lot more out of it than just offsetting some energy usage. We're also getting like, you know, it's like health effects of clean energy. You know, we're taking some of the load off of the, off of the network. We're creating jobs. We're getting a reputation for our city. Yeah. Uh, so these things are are valuable to you know, municipally owned utilities that, um, you know, kind of aggregate a larger set of values that solar brings. Yeah. Um, now in, in, in Houston and in Dallas, you've got the deregulated market where uh, you don't really have that same model. And those utilities actually do have, there is a mandate that they have to follow from the PUC um, requiring them to offset some of their load growth with energy efficiency or solar programs. So it's mandated they have to do that in layman's terms, what does that kind of mean? Well, just for people that don't. Sure, sure. So, so basically, these these um, there is a mandate for say in Dallas and mm-hmm. for the Encore and, and Houston for for uh, Centerpoint, where they have to create they have to reduce some of the um, so if they obviously they're growing in in how much energy they're they're, they're they're using, but they have to reduce that somehow. They have to have a program to reduce it. They're not. They don't. Uh, they're not specified as to what programs they need to implement. So in Dallas and Fort Worth, in Encore territory, they have all these energy efficiency programs, and they also have a distributed solar program. Okay. And a rebate. Now in C- in Centerpoint down in Houston, 
they have those energy efficiency programs as well. They just have decided, for whatever reason, not to include a solar rebate program. Okay. Do you think that's... I am not sure. I, I know what you're going to ask me. <laughs> I am not sure as to what the driver is there. I don't know um, what the um, the center point you know, executives have decided relative to why they did not decide. They never even had a pilot program. Oh, okay. Um, so, I mean, they never went down that road of looking okay. at solar as an option, but, um, you know, it's been a, pro it's been part of Encore's program now for, for several years okay. up in Dallas. So what I think is exciting about all of this and looking at it from a high level perspective, I'm not an expert like you in this industry, but it's something that I'm very interested in. And I think the audience is very interested in, um, because I think it is sort of the future that we're approaching. It makes sense both financially, you know, it's getting there. Uh, much more so financially. It obviously makes sense environmentally and moving away from uh, coal and all, all these other things. So what I kind of want to know from someone that sits in your seat, in general, what do you think the next three to five years is going to look like here in Austin in terms of solar growth? Like there's a lot of new technology. Um, <clears throat> what is your yeah, so I mean, I think a lot of the a lot of the solar growth uh, or the growth potential for this market, um, to a large extent, is driven by city goals. So we've got um, a we've got mandates for Austin Energy of having a certain amount of their portfolio uh, be generated from renewable energy sources, and we keep on seeing those levels increase as more and more people. Um, kind of get engaged and demand that we have renewable energy as our as a as the major, if not the majority, if not almost all of our portfolio. Um, you know, we've seen towns like Georgetown where they've gone 100% renewable energy for all. Wait, the, really? Yeah. What? Yeah, Georgetown. Not even Austin. Georgetown, 100%. Explain this to me. This is. They've signed long-term contracts, wind and solar. Now it's not distributed, it's mostly utility scale, okay. but they sign long-term contracts, so they have their own utility in Georgetown, and they are 100% renewable energy provided, I think as of, as of last year. Or, what? Yes, they've, they've, they've gained some worldwide notoriety. Really? Well, yeah. Have yeah. you been there? Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I've talked to their city manager about, it, about uh -huh. their programs, and uh, yeah, they're, they're all in. They're uh, all in. Really? Yeah. How far away is that from Austin, approximately? Uh, 25 minutes north of Austin. Really? Huh. Maybe it'd be interesting to take a trip up there. I think so. Yeah? I think so, yeah. you think they'd be open to that? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, their city manager's been down here a couple times to talk in okay. Austin. I've seen them talk about their programs. and uh, Yeah, they. Um, it's funny. When I, when I talk, to, talk to them, I think it's Chris Foster, I think is the, uh, the city manager there. And he says the one thing they didn't, they didn't expect is that you know, they're getting calls from all over the world for interviews and to, to see why this town in Texas decided to go to 100% renewable energy. So they've gotten a lot of uh, a lot of great PR out of it for Georgetown. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's fantastic. That would be great for Austin too. Then I would. It think. would be great. It would be great. Do you think that they would maybe model something like that? Be simply because of. Well, it's a little. I mean, it's a little different in Austin. In okay. Austin, you've got a utility that has been traditionally a vertically integrated utility, which means that they own 
a lot of the generating assets. So they own parts of gas plants and coal plants, and it's a little bit harder and takes longer to kind of turn over these assets to start to migrate to renewable energy. So mm -hmm. there's a little bit more inertia they have to overcome. Okay. A utility like Austin or in CPS even for that matter, where you do have a generating fleet that you are you are using as well to uh, help generate electricity. So um, well, even though that's the case, we do have a lot of older plants and you know we are seeing Austin Energy starting to look at you know they have a they have the Fayette coal plant down uh, outside of town and trying to get that closed down here in the next five or six years. Oh, really? Be huge, yeah. So we're starting to get you know continue to get off of the brown power and getting more into the green power. Okay. So. What do you think it'll take uh, you know to really drive that to make sure? Because it, it you know it can go either way still, right? Yeah. So I, you it, think it'll be more from consumers, businesses, the city? Uh, I think I think it really you know at the end of the day, city council dictates a lot of of what we're going to do okay. with our with our our power plan. So, um, and city council is responsive to people that go and talk to city council. So, I mean, a lot of this comes down to, you know, engaged citizens mm -hmm. that are interested in, in really helping write that story for the next, for the future. Do you think there's been a lot of engagement so far from Austin people or businesses? Yeah, there's, there's been decent engagement. Um, but you know, it's, it, it seems like a lot of times it's the same, you know, 30 or 40 people that are okay. really, you know, always down there and, and, you know, there's always, can always use more support. And it's amazing how much, um, influence you can have if you really set your mind to getting to know your council person, talking to them about what concerns you. Um, you know, if you're interested in seeing us get on more into green power, renewable energy, mm -hmm. um, those discussions well, make a big difference. Don't you think everybody's interested in that? Uh, Excluding the... You know. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of variables that go into into power, the you okay. know, and energy, um, but um, you know, right now, um, natural gas is really cheap. Yeah. And if you're looking, a lot of people, if you're looking at your energy and you say, well, I can get really cheap natural gas right now, do I want to change that? Do I want to, you know, look ahead? You know, more than two years where I can, you know, the future, I mean, I mean, solar, you talk about solar or wind, the, the cost of that fuel is zero, right? I mean, that's the beauty of, that's... once you build the power plant, the, the operating costs are almost nothing because there is no fuel cost. Right. And there's always a hedge you have to make when you're talking about coal or natural gas and, you know, it may be cheap now and, and spike in the future. Just look at the, it's very volatile or traditionally has been volatile, um, you know, prior to the fracking boom. Mm -hmm. um, but at some point in time, you know, it's going to become volatile again. So, you know, do you want to have that volatility you've got to deal with? Or do you want to have a locked in zero fuel cost for 20 or 25 years? Well, that's what I... So it's a long term versus a short term horizon. Where Where is your focus? That has a lot to do. You know, typically it's very hard. A lot of people are looking at election cycles, at three years, two years, four year cycles. And it's a different story when you look at something over 25 years versus mm -hmm. over two years or four years. See, and that's why I feel like the business community would really want to step up because, you know, that's what the eco-capitalist mindset is all about, mm -hmm. you know, that I've created is that, you know, if it's financially feasible, especially from, you know, you don't buy an asset in a business to sell it next week. 
you buy a serious asset, you know, and then you depreciate it over an amount of time. You know, you're looking ahead because mm-hmm. you look at the end cost, right? Not yeah. not the immediate. That's kind of why you're in business is to, you know, buy it up front and then be able to spread it out over time, correct? Yeah, and we're seeing a lot of bit. I mean, we, you do see a lot of larger businesses that, <clears throat> that are engaged, you know, that, um, you know, that have sustainability directives as part of their business plan that have sustainability managers that have, you know, so, um, you know, and that those are people we're talking to as well because they're trying to figure out how they can, you know, hedge for the future. Because a lot of it is about risk management. I mean, if I can lock in my energy costs for 25 years and I'm planning on being on business that long, that is a huge, that's a huge variable you just took off the table for your cash flow, for your forecasting. I mean, it's a big deal. And you see a lot of big, a lot of big companies that are really getting into this game, you know, Walmart and Target and Kohl's and Home Depot and, and, you know, Lowe's and, I mean, just lots of companies that are getting into Google. I mean, right, exactly. And it's, you know, yes, I'm sure they want to do the right thing for the environment, but let's be honest, I mean, like, they're doing these things because... It makes sense financially. It makes sense financially. That's right. And so, when you have that many powerhouses, that many corporations that are, you know, world-leading corporations doing that, I'm shocked that more larger to medium-sized businesses aren't at least more open to it or finding other alternative ways to do, to, like, bring it to light much Mm -hmm. faster. But do you think the technology is there? You know, that's kind of the next part of what I think is exciting is the integration of technology and social media and the Internet and all these things. Mm -hmm and how we can utilize those to benefit moving forward with, you know, solar. Like you said, solar's been around since the 50s, yet you would think it would be on every rooftop in in America, but it's not, right? Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, there's interesting, there's a lot of opportunities with businesses, um, and a lot of opportunities that that are really starting to um, traditionally haven't really been an opportunity, but now they are. And one of them is just the fact that you have a completely different um, electrical electric uh, rate structure for businesses as, a compo- as compared to residential. Okay. So, um, you know, for residential, for your home, they just you get charged for how many kilowatt hours, how many units of energy you use, period. You know, so that is how they uh, how they charge you, uh, and that'll never change. You know, well, no, I, I think well, I don't know. It's starting to change in some states. I mean, you know, right now, <clears throat> solar is a pretty disruptive technology for the entrenched utility um, that's been operating under the same business model for a hundred years. So when their business model is, we build a big plant, we build a bunch of wires, we ship electricity one direction, and that's that was their business model. So now we've got homeowners who are generating own electricity, using it and shipping it back into the system, that completely changes the business model. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of heartburn over how this 100-year-old business model adapts to the realities of distributed energy. So we are still seeing that there's still a lot of that getting worked out. It's different markets have different approaches. Um, so, but it is, it's, it's gonna be a little bit messy until utilities figure out like how they operate in a space now where they are not the only you know game in town right yeah every single person in their community might be putting solar on the roof and 
using electricity at certain times, shipping it back into the grid. Mm -hmm. And now they've got to figure out how they react to a completely different kind of energy flow situation. So um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts right now. Yeah, but that shouldn't slow things down ultimately. I mean, don't you think the taxi industry or Blockbuster, you know... Blockbuster still in business? No, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. You know, it's like, you know, they should have been Netflix or bought Netflix, right? You know, if we're just going with that example, Netflix was a very disruptive mm-hmm. industry or business model. They had plenty of opportunity to do that. They definitely had the capital resources to do it. They didn't do it. Netflix even tried to sell it to Blockbuster for like some ridiculously low cost. It was like a million dollars or something. And they put them out of business in what? Three, four years? Like really, really quickly. You see the same thing with the taxi industry. You know, I I guess I, what I don't understand is that both those businesses didn't, they helped the market, Mm -hmm. but they didn't help the environment. This is an industry that it would help the environment. Mm-hmm. That's right. It would help financially. You know, it would have sustainable, cost-effective, you know, all these things. I just guess I don't understand why we have to be so cautious with that compared to the other industries. Well, I mean, you're dealing with utilities. You're mm-hmm. dealing with regulated markets. Right, okay, that's a good point. Um, you're dealing with mission critical. I mean, if I don't have a taxi, it's not a big of a deal it's if I don't have like electricity. That, right. <laughs> so, right. I mean, you're dealing okay. with kind of different industries. However, you have the same disruptive change happening. Right. So the utilities, I think a lot of them feel like they're in that adapt or die space and they're trying to figure out, well, how do we adapt? And so, like I said, we've seen a lot of pushback in a lot of markets in Hawaii and Nevada and certain, a lot of other states where, Arizona, where we just, utilities kind of had this knee jerk, like, okay, let's just slow down PV. We need, we need to slow it down because we don't own it. We need to figure out how we can just, you know, kind of retool and, and, and get, get in front of this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so, um, but I mean, you know, you're seeing... It's interesting, you're seeing, you know, utilities like Austin Energy and CPS Energy. I mean, they've already made pretty pretty enormous purchases of solar energy. So right, right. Um, they've got their own utility scale solar farms where mm-hmm. it, it, Which is it, it looks and feels like an it's like an asset where they they're they're getting electricity off of it and then they're selling it to their clients. So they are providing their customers with choice with with you know, with green power. So I think that does um, you know, that is obviously one way that utilities play in that space is that they, they are now creating these huge solar farms, buying that electricity and then passing that on to their, to their constituents. Mm-hmm. Um, which is excellent. It's excellent. There's, there's community solar mm-hmm. where we see local smaller systems that get put in where maybe you can buy the output from a mop, from one or two panels and someone else can, someone else can. And it's kind of a way that you can almost feel like you've got ownership. Okay. Um, yeah, I like that. And so that we're starting to see a little bit of that in Texas. It's 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 prevalent in a lot of other markets around the U.S. But um, that's kind of nice because there's a lot of folks that they can't put solar on the roof for either because they're shade they got too much shading, 
Okay. The roof is really old. Um, maybe they're a renter, and they don't own the building, so they right. can't. They can't afford. They right. can't. You know, so there's a lot of opportunities um, to get solar on on rooftops or or what get solar cars? into your portfolio. Yeah. Well, well, portfolio. Yeah. yeah. To get or to you know to get it into your um, to be to be participant in in the solar industry or solar energy without necessarily owning a system. So the next question I have is kind of like with the panels. I, I kind of want to go into that component of it. Mm-hmm. So is that a very competitive market? Whether it's technology-wise, price-wise, there's probably how many major companies that do solar panels? No, we're talking about install companies? Nope, nope, just the panel. Yeah, like where the technology is. Because I, again, I'm very uneducated on this and compared to you, but, it, you know, if you get solar panels, mm-hmm. panels, you know, the there's different brands. Right. So are there major brands? Are there... Yeah, there, there's, there's major brands. I don't know how many brands that are off the top of my head, but um, I bet you there's probably, you know, over 40 or over 50, um, you know, brands out there. Okay. Uh, still, I mean, there's been some consolidation in the market. We've seen prices really plummet. Okay. It's put a lot of companies out of business because they couldn't, you know, you know, be able to get their costs down low enough to compete. Is that because of the technology in the panel? Uh, well, I think it's, it has a, has a lot of factors involved. Um, we've seen, um, you know, huge price drops due to situations where they're oversupply. We've seen, um, you know, uh, certain markets, you know, the, the <clears throat> Chinese module manufacturers tend to get some, get government support. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, you can be pretty, uh, substantial so that's we've right. seen we've seen a bunch of tariff battles and such over Chinese modules um, and we still actually have a trade case right now that was just brought against the Chinese module manufacturers again or against any imported modules to the US actually so um, you know whether business practices are the same in each country it's you know it's probably not the case so um, but yeah we've seen prices come down just from the fact that it's it's also just you know ramped up you know, so so much. You know, we're talking about, um, geez, I don't know the orders of magnitude of change, but I mean, I don't know the. I think we, I think the U.S. installed two two gigawatts of solar in Q1. Okay. Which Q1 is usually really slow, but um, I mean, there's just a lot of worldwide solar out there. So I mean, the more you know, the, the manufacturers are are manufacturing on much bigger scale than they used Good. to. So that helps bring prices down as well. Yeah, and that's also a big sign that it's really coming. Yeah. So. For people that we could talk to more about this topic, that would be really good. You know, I think Georgetown would be a really good one. Who else do you think would be really good to maybe bring into the conversation? I think it'd be great to talk to the utilities. Okay. Austin Energy, they've got yeah. plenty of folks to be willing to talk. And CPS Energy. Okay. Encore. All right. I'd be love to. I'd love to have you guys talk to Centerpoint. Centerpoint. Because, because they don't have a solar program. Oh, really? It'd be great okay. to know why. I mean, great to talk to their energy efficiency folks and find out what their strategy is so and if you had specific you know the top three questions what do you think it would be you know what is the hesitation what you know yeah I mean um, love to know how they see distributed solar fitting into their business model or portfolio um, do they see it as a threat or as an opportunity mm-hmm. um, 
and what the utilities are doing to support you know distributed solar so they have different um, different utilities have different ways that they are going to compensate you for sending electricity back into the grid so mm-hmm. when you generate extra electricity and ship it back into the grid what should they pay you for that okay and that's a question that every utility has a different answer for really so it's really interesting to see understand the logic behind Austin Energy's answer compared to CPS Energy's answer mm-hmm. compared to you know anyone else's answer so it's just really it's pretty fascinating to see kind of how these different utilities either value value the electricity that you bring to the grid during uh, you know during the daytime hours when they need it. So last question before we wrap up, I want to know if you were to live off the grid as someone you know just to give people perspective, can I as just a regular person or even just camping? I'm not even going to say off the grid. That's probably too ex- extreme. If I wanted to go camping or something like that, how much would it cost me to buy a solar panel that I could have enough basic electricity to kind of charge my cell phone or computer and, you know, maybe a couple other essential things? I'll tell you what, uh, that's an interesting question. <clears throat> so off-grid, yeah, right, it's completely different. Right. Um, orders of magnitude difference in how much energy you need, what it would cost. And next episode, I do want to talk about. Yeah, it's a great discussion. I'm sure there, yeah, it's a great I'm discussion. sure there's people out there that uh, we get we get that a lot. A lot of okay. people say, "Hey, I, I want to go off the grid. What do yeah. I do? How do I do it? How much is it?" You guys can do that. We can do it, but it's an interesting question because it's it's complicated. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, there's not an easy answer. Next there's episode, let's no bumper about. sticker. Yeah. But <laughs> I would say though that there are for, um, you know, for your average camper or. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of you know nature photographers, perfect example. So I got to charge my camera battery. Oh, I got to charge. Right. Um, but literally, when you're talking about charging little batteries and cell phones, even your computer cameras, right. you don't really need a lot, not a lot of electricity. So um, there actually are products made out, made you know solar power backpacks, yes. solar powered tents. Yes. Where oh, tents? Yeah, so cool. tents. I have um, like the little fold out one. Yeah, because you don't need much. You don't really need okay. much energy to, to, to charge these batteries. So um, they have these things hooked up where it's a solar-powered backpack and it has a USB port in it. You just plug your phone right in there, and you're walking around. Your phone's just charging, getting trickle-charged during the day. So um, um, I know that there's a few companies out there, um, not to plug one. The only one I can think off the top of my head is called uh, Goal Zero, I think. That's who I own a product by. Okay. They fold out one. Yeah, okay. So they, they were bought by Energy um, a while back. Oh, they got bought out? Okay. Yeah, Energy bought them. Um, but they. Who bought NRG. NRG. NRG, yeah. Are they a solar company? No, they're an energy They're an energy provider. Okay. So they, they own a lot of generation assets. They used to be very much in renewables. They've kind of changed gears um, in the last couple of years. Uh, but at any rate, they do own a lot of you know retail electricity providers here in Texas. They own Reliant. They own Green Mountain Energy. Um, so they're they're a pretty big they're a big player in the energy space. But um, at any rate, they uh, that they do have. I, I went. I did look at that website. They do have some pretty cool products for for campers and hikers and that kind mm-hmm. of thing that are solar powered. So you can ex- do exactly that. You know, just kind of keep those essential electronics powered up so you know where you're going or can take some pictures yeah. or I mean that's why I wanted yeah. one was just because if worst worst case scenario happen you know and nothing or everything stopped working electricity wise mm-hmm. you want something to be able to uh, 
charge your essential things. Um, how many other companies are there like that out there? I mean, do you think that they would be an interesting company to talk to? Absolutely. I mean, anyone that's that's involved in the solar space, um, you know, they're they're filling a really interesting niche, right? I mean, those it's it's off grid on the most micro scale, mm-hmm. right? It's like so I'm an individual, right? And I'm out in the woods, and there's a solar market for that person. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a really interesting. It's not going to be a huge market. Well, it could be a huge market. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what their business revenue is, but um, I don't know. I mean, I love. I we're starting to see some of that where you know, flexible solar panels are being sewn into fabric. And that's pretty cool. Oh. Pretty cool if I could wear a shirt where my, you know, I had solar, my back of my shirt was solar, and I could just have a little... The coolest thing I know. saw was at South by Southwest this year. Uh, one of the stands, they had a solar-powered hat. It was a hat. <laughs> and it was like a stylish-looking stylish hat. Stylish, that was an air quote. Yeah, 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 air quote, <laughs> stylish, quote-unquote. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but anyway, I just thought it was so interesting because literally you like plug your iPhone in yeah, up here right, right. on the back of the hat and apparently you can get, you know, solar and charge it. Yeah. But I think that's a really interesting thing and I think technology, uh, but I think the biggest, from what I understand, uh, factor to really push it forward is the battery, like being able to store it, the storage of it. I yeah, I mean, storage is, yeah, storage is helpful. Again, if you've got, that's what you're doing, right? When you hook up your iPhone to that solar panel, you are storing all the electricity, right, into that phone battery, so, mm-hmm. um, or into that camera battery, or right. into whatever battery, your computer have, battery. Have you ever used one of the backpack solar you know, products. I don't know if I, but if I mention Goal Zero like three more times, will they, will they maybe send us a free one? I or? hope so, because I think we should. <laughs> no, I mean, I want to try one. I would love to try one, and I'm technically a customer of theirs already. Well, there you so, go. Maybe you've got an in on that. Yeah, in that I think we should we should try to get them on the podcast or send us a backpack so we can try it out ourselves. Uh, and also, I think it would be really great to have Elon Musk. Uh, you know, again. Well, there you go. Start. You know, go big. Go, go big. big or go home. There you go. Well, I really appreciate you being on here. We're definitely going to so. The people that we're going to reach out to is Georgetown. Okay. Uh, the solar uh, backpack company. What was the third person? Uh, uh, utilities. Oh, yeah, the utility Austin Energy. Austin Energy. They're, they're here. They're local. Yeah, so let's... They're accessible. Okay. All right. I'm going to make that happen, and we're going to have a podcast next time with them. Great. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you so much for being on. All Everyone, right. please... Uh, provide any questions, comments, uh, any feedback that you guys have, any topics that you want to hear next about solar. We have one of the best experts in the industry. Oh boy. You are. <laughs> you know it. So thank you so much, and everybody have a green day. Thank you.